Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So something you may not know about me personally is I'm obsessed with the Olympics. The Olympics are coming. I mean, it got canceled last year. And I don't know if you guys are Olympics people, but I love the Olympics. And this is why I love the Olympics. It's the only time of my life where I sit and cheer with all abandon, unabandoned, abandoned, whatever. I just let it go, right? I cheer for the dumbest sports ever created. Things I could care less about all the rest of my life, except when it comes to the Olympics, all of a sudden, I'm super into American synchronized swimming. Like, I don't know why. I, I just want us to win. I want to watch the medal count. I want to see America have more golds than any other place because I can say, look, America, and wave my flag. I love the Olympics. But here's the thing about Olympics. Every year they add random sports into the Olympics and some things you haven't heard of or maybe some things that kind of fall away. Here are some of the most random Olympics, most of them coming from the early 1900s. Did you know that rope climbing was an Olympic sport? So if any of you had rope climbing in your gym class, you know, old school, you had the big rope, climb up that thing, that was an actual Olympic sport at one time. Live pigeon shooting. I can't imagine in the year 2021 that they'd allow live pigeons to go out and that they'd shoot them as an Olympic sport. Now, this is still going on, which is the most silliest thing. You have to watch this race walking. If you've ever seen race walking, what they do is they pump their fist and they're not allowed to lose one foot off the ground while one is up. And so they wiggle back and forth for miles and miles. Absolutely ridiculous. Tug of war. Now we've all played tug of war. This was an Olympic sport and tug of war really was the game of I'm going to make the other team look ridiculous by hopefully pulling them to a big mud pit or something like that. Tug of war was an Olympic sport. Now, this is my favorite. This is 1900s. Dueling pistols. <laughs> Dueling pistols. Now, I had to look this up. I'm like, okay, you're going to tell me right now people are pulling pistols and shooting each other. They didn't. They would do it at dummies, but they would time how fast they could get their pistols out, just like they were John Wayne. Now, this one I don't understand how this is an Olympic sport. Hot air ballooning. Who can go to in a hot air balloon to point A to point B, the fastest, the high? I don't know what they were doing with this. But if it was an American sport, I guarantee I'd be cheering for it. The Olympics just brings up something in us that patriotic. It gets us excited. It gets us wanting to see victory. We want to see our teams win. But the dreams I've had of the Olympics are over. You may not know for this, but I'm not going to make the Olympics. I had dreams one day of making the Olympics in something, but I am too old. And by being too old, I, in the last few years, have suffered what many are known as a midlife crisis. Midlife crisis, for those who are like, I'm 15, I don't know what you're talking about, you will someday. It is this idea that I am out of this era, and I'm moving into the backside era where I went from had great dreams and aspirations to being an Olympic athlete or being something into this is who I am and now I'm down the hill. Midlife crisis usually is shown by some ridiculous action of trying to relive your youth. People buy sports cars. People go on huge uh, vacations. They do all these things to try to feel young again. I did something stupid. I decided I was going to become a long-distance runner. 
Long distance running is something that never was interesting to me in my life growing up. When you long distance ran, it's because you were really bad in a sport that actually was cool. So when I got in trouble playing sports, I messed up. Coach was like, go run some laps. And I go, okay, and I go run laps. And it was this miserable time of lungs burning, unhappiness, grumbling, and I hated the sport. But there's something about long distance running in my, in my midlife crisis that was interesting. Long distance running for me was this chance for me to be competitive at the age I was in. Because now if you're 16, you compete against 16-year-olds. If you're in your mid-40s, you compete against times in your mid-40s. So, hey, I am now relevant. So this was my big idea. I'm going to run a half marathon. So I started training. I went out, did all this work. The thing you don't know about long-distance running, it's not the race day. It's all the work you have to do up to, all the sacrifice, all the Saturdays, all the aches and pains, all the moaning. Your wife, for me, we had to listen to it. She's mad at me, like, just stop doing it then. Like, no, I'm going to do it. And I went and ran a half marathon. I came across the finish line. The feeling as I came across the finish line is what great accomplishment and great joy. And that's the dumbest thing I've ever done, and I will never do it again in my life. But I'd done it. I had my medal. I was completed. I wasn't even close to winning, but I was in the middle of my age bracket. I'm like, yeah, I won. Midlife crisis complete. I have the medal. I can put the 13.1 sticker onto my, onto my car. I win. But then I got done, and the midlife crisis came back into me. And I thought, okay, I'm going to run a marathon. Now, a marathon is 26.2 miles, two times the length of what I had just run. I said, okay, I have this idea. I'm going to train for a year. I can do it. I don't, I've never given birth, okay? Obviously. But there's something that happens. The amount of anguish and pain that happens when someone's pregnant and has, gives birth, and they go through this whole process, that you would do it again, I don't understand. Something like just turns off, like, I'm going to do this again. This was a bad idea. That's a good idea. And something kicks in, and you forget about the pain. You do it. That's what happened to me. Like, I'm just going to do this again, but this time, I'm going to go longer. So in 2015, at the age of 39, I said, before I turn the big 4-0, I'm going to run 26.2 miles. In that journey, I'll tell you this, when I started running, something happened inside of me that was weird. When you're out there for hours by yourself, you start to think. When you're out there, you start to transform. And when you don't want to get up and the pain hurts and you are aching, you're like, why in the world? And people, I mean, if you don't run, you're like, bro, I don't even understand what you're saying right now. But let me say this. Why in the world would you pay to put that much pain into your body and go and run that far? The answer is stupidity. I don't know. But something starts driving inside of me. And when I get into it, I'm there. <clears throat> I'm in the mode. I'm pumping. I'm moving. I'm excited to have this moment. Even though my legs are hurting, I'm breathing and I feel alive. In this midlife crisis at the age of 39, I started to get into this journey. I started to learn things about myself. And I started to understand why Paul uses so many analogies about running. I started to understand when he starts talking about this idea of perseverance. Because in my other sports, I would play sports, and there's perseverance involved with that. I mean, there's, you work hard, but there's something about long-distance running. It's just you and you alone. There is no coach talking to you. There are no teammates pushing you on. I'm by myself out there, pumping away, doing everything I can to try to get across, knowing full well I'm not going to win. I just want to be able to finish. And the perseverance that I went through, you can start to understand that when Paul talks about it, 
it's really hard. Now, for those who are not runners, there's the anti-runner movement, which many of you are smiling right now, and I see you on Facebook Live. You're like, yeah, right. And with this joy, you say, I also was proud to put a sticker on my car, the 0.0 sticker. I run 0.0 miles. That's how far I run. Or, you know, that anti-running movement of why in the world would you do that? I would simply say this. Running isn't for everybody, but persevering is. And when I went through this process, as many people age, they start to pull back and say, I'm not as relevant as I used to be. It's time for me to pull back and retire. I'm going to step back and allow the next generation to go in. And brothers and sisters here, I'm here to say this today. Both physically, mentally, spiritually, we are never called to pull back. We are called to persevere. Because as life comes and things come our way and everything starts coming down around us, when life hurts, do you quit? When everything is just pounding down on you and you feel like you can't take it another day. Perseverance says, I will not stop. And in the long distance running world, there's all these tricks for us not good athletes. And the tricks are you use your mind and you have thoughts inside of you that you use to motivate you. Because at mile 24, there's no greater pain in my life. At mile 24, I have 2.2 miles. And don't ever forget that point two, because those are the worst. 2.2 miles left in which everything is on fire. I'm completely out of energy. All I want to do is quit. And I see myself crossing the finish line. I see myself ending. I see myself as I bend down and people are cheering and they put the medal around my neck. I have to visualize, say, why am I doing this? I'm doing this to persevere. And believe it or not, that's exactly what Paul says. Paul tells us in our lives right now that you are going to run a marathon. You are going to go through great pains. You are going to go through much hurts. Life is going to kick you up, kick you down. You are going to get punched, slapped, beat down. Your legs are going to hurt. You're going to be out of breath. You're going to want to say, I quit. And Paul says this, remember, persevere for the prize that's on the end. So Philippians 3 is where we're going to dig into this today. Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Feel free to open your Bibles, your Bible apps, as well as for those who are here, it's on our sheets this morning. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 was a verse that I took and I would meditate on as I think through the physical world's important, but the physical world ends. The spiritual world lasts forever. And Paul gives us analogy for this. He says this, Not that I've already obtained this, which I'll pause for a second. The previous verses, Paul is discussing how he wants to know Christ more. He wants to be more fully dependent on Jesus. He's saying, hey, everybody, I've not arrived there yet. I want more of Christ. And so he says, all this before this, I want more of Christ. He says, but I've not already obtained this. I'm not there. Or I've already arrived at my goal, but... I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He uses the statement, press on twice. 
This is a strong statement. When somebody repeats something ever in a, any sort of speech or talking, when I say I press on, press on isn't I'm lollygagging through it. Pressing on is pushing through the grind, giving all that you can, enduring the pain, not giving up, pushing forward. That coach, if you've ever played sports or had a coach who was yelling at you, was like, you can do it, keep going, trying to get every ounce out of you. And you press on, you don't stop. Paul's using this for our, our spiritual lives. Paul says this, look, I'm trying to understand Jesus more. I'm trying to get and understand how great it is if I give my entire life, everything I have to God. But you know what? Life has beaten me down, and I have to press on. I'm going to forget about the past. I'm going to think about the end. I'm going to think about the end line, and I'm going to keep pressing on with a laser-like focus, with a dedication and determination that will not be swayed. He's running full speed, all obstacles around, and says, nothing's going to stop me. Now, I relate this back into my running world for those who've run. Because the running world, it's just me. When I'm out there, and I've got 20 miles to run that day for a train, no one's telling me to go. You don't know what I'm doing. I can, I can stop. I can run to local McDonald's, have a Big Mac, chicken McNuggets, large Diet Coke, extra fries, extra barbecue sauce. You would never know. I can come back and put on Facebook, oh, run so hard, 20 miles. Click it on my Instagram. You're like, oh, I'm so impressed Jason ran 20 miles. You have no idea what I'm doing. It's only me. It's me out there with the dedication, determination that nothing's going to sway me from the goal of doing my dream. I want to accomplish this. I want to get to this place. And if your spiritual life, you take that in relationship with that, I don't know what you're doing throughout the week. You can place on your Facebook, look at this awesome quote, this awesome Bible verse on your Instagram and Facebook. You can post stuff online. You can send emails. You can come on Sundays and smile, and I'm not seeing you. It is you. You must press on, but you have a coach who's calling you. You've got more, and that's God himself. The Spirit is calling us to press on, to be on the move, to not give up, because life gets dark. That's something I didn't understand in the first half of my life. In the first half of my life, I believed the dream that if you do everything right and you work hard, you're going to get everything you dreamed of. We call it the fake American dream. You can be anything you want to be. Kind of. Sure, there's opportunities for anything, but the fact is there's limitations. I wanted to be an astronaut. I didn't make that. I wanted to be an Olympian. I didn't make that. I really wanted to play Major League Baseball. Didn't get that. Wanted to play in the Olympics for the men's volleyball team. Didn't make that. So I can't be everything I want to be. That's a, a fake lie. Life is going to come. In my first half, I just believed this lie. If I just do everything right, it's going to fall in place. But life gets hard. And if I don't believe, and if I'm not prepared and ready and training for the hardship that's going to come, I'm going to stop. If I'm not training, I quit. Now, I don't need to speak into this, but I think you understand. There are people who can do it. God bless you if you can. If you're one of those people, you're Superman. You cannot just go run 26 miles. If you can, wow, I can't. And most people cannot. 26 miles is extremely long. And they talk about it all the time. Running a marathon has nothing to do 
with running 26 miles. It's all about what you did with training when no one was looking. It's all about what you did to prepare for that day. And so when you tow up to the line, nerves are flowing. You know you're about to endure this terrible pain. You're like, I paid to do this. My wife says, why do you pay to do it? I still don't know. You tow up to that line. You're excited to be there. All the training, everything came to this moment. And as this moment comes together, you say, it's not about this moment. It's about the last year I've been training. Now we test my training. And the statement in, in long distance running is trust your training. Brothers and sisters, are you training your spiritual life? And do you trust your training that when life comes, you're ready? When everything comes, because it's going to come, you are going to face a marathon in your spiritual life. Are you even training? Like, that's what this whole thing is about, friends. That's why we're a church family. That's why we are in the Word of God. That's why we're in groups. That's why we challenge each other. We are training and getting ready for what's about to come. And if you are not ready, you are going to crumble. You're going to say, all of this is fake. You're going to say, I don't believe in this anymore. You're going to walk away. My first question for people, if you have been in that place, is are you even training? Are you ready when hardship comes? Have you worked on the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Are you ready when someone comes to you in your face, starts swearing you down, cursing you out, and you turn the other cheek? Are you ready? That's all of Jesus' teachings, is to be ready to prepare us, to train us for the marathon of life is. In fact, the matter, in a sin world, we're all going to endure it. Every single one, every single child here will go through hardship. Every single middle-aged has been and will go through hardship. Every senior has gone through and seen hardship. If you haven't, please tell me how you figured that out. It's not true. The big thing that we keep pressing on for is thinking through the goal. And he says this, Paul's thinking about eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's putting his eyes on the prize, the finish line of his life in which we are all going to see there is a prize for us there. And our training and our work leads us to this end prize. And for him, it's eternity. It's for him, the love of the Savior who died on the cross for him. For him, is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he would stay laser focused on the gospel, the fact he was saved, focused. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15 says this, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who would live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and raised again. His focus is that because Christ died for me, I die for him. Because of what he went through, I'll go through. Because he gave everything, I gave everything. Jesus is my coach. This is how he rolls. This is how I roll. He made it very simple to the people listening. Go all in in your training. Trust me, you will need it. Because Paul's saying, that's what Jesus did. That's what I'm going to do. No, we can't earn salvation. It's not something that we earn. It's not that my training gets Jesus to love me more. That's not how this works. What does happen is this. Salvation is the free gift given to us through the gospel, but what you do on earth matters. What you do today matters for eternity. How you speak today matters. What you think about today matters. Everything matters. Your life matters. 
We don't become Christians and then become just, meh, I do what I want. What we do matters. And for Jesus, we talk about the, the judgment seat and there's the Bema seat, the seat for those who are in judgment who know the Lord. And you are given gifts and granted. I don't understand all of it. Like God blesses and Jesus gives all this stuff for those who've been faithful. And all of what you have done matters now for eternity. It all matters. What you do now and how you interact with people and how you love people matters. You can change the course of people's lives. Matters. God uses you to bring people out of darkness into light. Matters. Your life matters. So are you training? The number one thing we hear about people when it comes to discipleship, number one by far, and this is probably you, is I don't know what to say. I don't know how to share my faith. Are you training? I don't know how to talk about Jesus. Are you training? I don't know the word of God. Are you training? I don't know what to do in this situation. Are you training? If you're not, let's start training. What if a church, what if just our little family started to re-envision our spiritual lives as this? We are in training to be in the race that God's called us to until the day we hit the finish line. And when the finish line comes, we have arms up crossed, not afraid. There's no fear in death. Not afraid what's going to happen next. You have your arms raised high. And when you pass from death to life, the medal's put around your neck. Now, we don't deserve a medal. That's the crazy thing about this. And there is not a medal at the end. What you do we get to receive is you get to receive heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we do this? How do we change our perspective outside of this idea that what we do matters? And we can see a couple of clear things here from Paul. First of all, define your goal. I remember that feeling when I crossed that finish line. My first marathon, I crossed. My legs were so wobbly, I had to sit down. I couldn't even stand. I was at the back of the pack. Most people had left. It was a small first-time marathon, so there weren't that many people there. I got done. I finished. I thought I did it, but I thought, I, I can never do this again. It took so much out of me for all the training. It took so much out of me, but my goal was met. I had met my goal. And when I met that goal, nothing deterred me from that goal. But then I said, I think I can do it again. I, I know, something happens inside your head, right? I went on to run three more and four marathons total with the goal of this, I want to run four marathons. Nothing deterred me from my goal. And so when you set goals, if you're not a goal-oriented person, let me share with you this. Not having a goal makes you just scatter in all different directions. Not having a goal or really what is the purpose of why I'm doing something or we say in the world, what is my why? What is your why? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing quiet times? Why are you coming to church? Why are you singing songs? What is your why? If you're going through the motions, that's not training. If you're coming because I need to be with my church family, I want to worship my king, I want to be in community, I want the word to teach me how to not only change my life, but change other lives. I want to be on mission with the Great Commission to go and make disciples. What is your why? Without defining your goal, it gets really hard when life gets hard. I have the honor and the solemn duty to do funerals. Let me tell you, this is the time when I see people's goals. When that person has crossed the finish line and we start to talk about life, I see how the goals went. I hear stories, families share. I see people talking about, oh, do you remember when 
he did this or she did that. Hey, do you remember? I've seen funerals in which a man and woman have given their entire life to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there was weeping, but there is ruckus joy in the room. Well done, good and faithful servant. I've been at funerals in which the life was for themselves and families are arguing about who's getting the inheritance. Who gets what land? How is this going to be split up? I see conversations being said, laughing at terrible things. Sons who won't come because they're, they're estranged from their fathers. I've seen the other side. And I say, wow, they gained the whole world, but they lost their soul that Jesus warns us about. Friends, when you don't have the goal in sight, you will lose it. For those who are young here today, I understand, I remember sitting as a youth thinking, oh my gosh, 40 is like a thousand years away from me. I have so much life, so many great things. I have so much to learn, so much going to happen. And I thought I would never be 40. In fact, I thought that 40 literally was years away from death. Like it just seems astronomically far. I'm now 45 and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm just starting to get this going. I'm still 18 in my mind. The Olympics are still going to call me. I'm a little slower, you know, like, like I'm older, but I don't, I'm like, I'm not even close to that. But that's the point. It, you don't start your training when you're in your midlife crisis. Young people start your training now. Start to know the word of God now. Start to pour your life into a purpose now. Imagine if a youth movement happened in Generation Z that had people who are so inflamed and so passionate about the gospel that they went out into their friends and their family, their community, unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Training at the age of 15, 14, 16, 18, making a youth movement that changes the world of love. That love now wins over all the hatred we're living. What if they started then? Seniors, you're not retired. What if now all the training that you've gone through, you pass on to the next generation? You are bringing the same movement of love into our communities, that you are mentoring younger people. You are challenging people your age. We are all working in this together and that we are persevering. What is your goal? If our goal is to ride this out till you die, wasted life. If your goal is to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ forward into our community, into our world, well done, good and faithful servant. Next thing, training matters. I mentioned this. Training takes small dedication over a longer period of time. Training is small decisions when nobody's looking that transform a character, that build into something larger, that builds into deeper training. And here's something about Jesus I know of my story. The more I train and the closer I get to Jesus, I realize I'm a baby and that he's going to push me harder because he's a good coach and there's more to learn. Because the closer I get to the, him, the farther I realize I am from him. I'm like, oh man, look at this huge step in my spiritual walk. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, mm, yeah, cute. Now look at this. And I'm like, wow. Every time. Like Paul says, I've not yet obtained this. I am, I've grown in my spiritual life, 
but I feel just as far. There's so much to learn, so much to grow, so much to become more like him. And so the training of the daily training matters. Sports psychologist Scott Welly says this. I couldn't believe this. You have approximately 50,000 thoughts in a day. 50,000 thoughts. Hear me on this one. 70 to 80% are negative. 50,000 thoughts in a day, <clears throat> 70 to 80% are negative. That's almost 40,000 thoughts in your day are negative thoughts. When you're pushed to the limit and stress comes in, if you are not training, guess where you're going to go? Right to the 70 to 80%. 70 to 80% of your thoughts are negative, yet the fact that you are a chi living child of God, redeemed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're like, oh, I should just trust him. But we don't, right? That's what's so hard. Training matters. <clears throat> it says this in Proverbs 4.23. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. I'm going to say this again. And if you think that things don't matter, movies don't matter, things don't matter, stuff I'm putting in my head doesn't matter, how I talk doesn't matter, how I live doesn't matter, think of this. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. 40,000 thoughts are negative. What's the result? 50,000 thoughts. 40,000 of them are on the gospel. Love, peace, patience, sacrifice, brokenness, humility. Look at the result of your life. If you've ever seen a spiritual superstar, seen somebody in your life, perhaps you have or haven't, who just seems to walk the clouds part, beams of sun and ray come from heaven and shine in that person, and they are just amazing human. They seem to be patient and kind when things are hard. They speak the most wisest words when things are broken. They seem to know something that none of us know. And they speak in a way and love in a way like, oh my goodness, they walk with Jesus. That's because they do. It's because they train. And I can tell you, I've been around those people and you say, have you had a hard life? And they'll smile. And they will say harder than you'll ever know. Because training and living through the hardship, while done correctly, produces that fruit. A simple life doesn't produce that fruit. Brokenness produces that fruit. And there's two actions which you can go. One leads you to this. You were that person of peace, that person who lives within the gospel, who's living it. The other brokenness goes to a bitter, angry person. Bitter, angry, broken. You know them. It's our world right now. And our world is rejecting training in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's saying the word of God is irrelevant. Look, man, I am not smart enough to tell you how to live your life. So I'm just going to use the Bible. Is that okay with that, everybody? I'm going to use the Bible to say what it says. And the Bible says this. Careful how you think. Careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Spiritual training is the daily grind of preparing yourself for what lies ahead. Spiritual training, the daily grind of preparing for what is ahead. And guess what? Not every day is awesome. Not every day I go, oh man, I'm super psyched. 
to have a bunch of people talk down to me and I'm going to act in peace today. It's not like that. Not every day, oh man, I'm super excited. I stayed up all night, but I'm going to read the Bible today. It's not like that. What it is, it's training. I enter the word of God, say, God, teach me something today, become more like you that I can bring that into the world. It could be one verse. It could be, you know, today I just need to worship God. Today I'm going to step away. It's daily training and training is hard. I don't want to sugarcoat, Christianese this, slap some Christian stick around and be like, yay, it's good. See, it's hard sometimes. But you don't forget your goal. If my goal is in mind to live a life in which the Lord God Almighty says, well done, good and faithful servant, makes you really rethink what you're training about. Finally, stay focused on your goal. I like to tell you that when I ran my marathon, I had a great marathon. No, it was terrible. I trained and trained and trained. I ran up one hill and I started to cramp. My leg cramped so badly I had to sit down on the side. Um, I cramped. You ever get those night cramps where like your toe points, like your toe, you know, your toe point, and, and you think there's no greater pain than this in the world, right? Um, imagine that after running 20 miles and both legs do it. So both my legs are in full contracture. Um, and a policeman, they have people along the way because, you know, who runs marathons, right? So they got ambulances and stuff like, oh, this guy's going to die, right? So policeman comes up. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm in full cramps. He laughs, goes, yeah, you're done. No one ever makes it after that. You know, if you don't know me, I'm like, okay, no one, you tell me I can't do something, I got this. I will hobble my way to the end, right? Remembering the goal, staying focused on the goal. And so I sat there and I stretched and I moved. And for the last six to eight miles, I would run a block and stretch, run a block and stretch. I would move, I would stop, I would walk. I just stayed focused. Those cramps weren't going to stop me. You're going to have to carry me off this course because I was not going to give up the opportunity to put that 26.2 sticker on the back of my car so you all make fun of me. I was there. And as through all of the pain, Paul says this, verse 13, forget what was behind and keep driving forward. Friends, your past here today don't define you because of the gospel you're set free of them. What defines you is the forward. Your past is creating you. It doesn't define you. So I encourage you, Stay focused on the goal. Remember the great sacrifice Jesus gave up for us so that we can come to him. Friends, keep fighting against your addictions. Don't give up. Keep fighting. Friends, fight for your marriage. I'm tired of hearing marriages breaking up. I'm tired of hearing broken lives, broken children. Fight for your marriage. Fight for integrity. Doing the right thing when nobody sees. Fight to find joy each day, even in the dark days. Find joy. Fight to forgive others when there's deep, deep, deep hurts, which we all have. Fight to forgive. Fight to love instead of hate. Fight to help instead of hurt. I beg all of you with all of my heart, don't give up fighting. Keep your eyes on the goal. And Paul says it. Don't stop. Press on. Don't stop. Press on. Don't give up. Don't stop at mile 22. 
go on. Don't stop at the age 45, press on. Don't stop at the age 70, press on. Don't stop at 13, press on. Friends, no matter where you are, a message for every single person here. Fight for what is ahead. When I crossed the finish line, I never had a feeling like that in my life. You may not know this about me, but my body is not what you would call a long-distant runner body. I'm not long and lean from Kenya. I am not made to run. I'm built like a tank. I'm meant to run through like defensive lines. I'm just thick and big and a tank. My fingers are like sausages. I am not meant to run long distances. But I wanted to do a new goal. And when I came through that, I wept. A lot of times you do. First of all, it's completely out of carbohydrates. That happens, right? Dehydrated. I like, I'm like, I'm seeing pink dragons. This is awesome. No, but I wept because of what it took to get there. I wept because I thought of all the sacrifice to that day. I wept because of everything I went through to accomplish a goal I had set. That's trash. That day is garbage. That's, that's just some human thing, which, yeah, it's good. It's a th- good thing, but... What really matters, friends, is our race and our spiritual life. 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 says this. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I'm done. The finish line is crossed. I wait for my master. There will be a crown that's ready there for me, but not just for me, for every single one of you here today, those who have come before us and those who will come after us, who have longed for his appearing. Friends, press on. No matter what you're going through today, know that we hear you. Our family has gone through a lot lately. We press on. I know of other families who've gone through a lot lately. We press on. I know of singles and friends who've gone through things lately. Press on. I know of youth who've gone through so much lately. Press on. Remember what's at the finish line. You get to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.